Well, welcome to episode two of the Ring-A-Ding-Ding podcast. It has been an amazing, unbelievable, the amount of uh, work we have undertaken to just try to get together to film episode two. It's funny, Carl and I see each other almost every single day. We talk all the time, but sitting down to actually record episode two has taken a Herculean effort, but uh, thank well, you. Well, this is it's sort of a regular three-month interval kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get better. We're going to get better. Yes, we know we should stockpile a bunch of episodes or whatever, but we... we, we but that's, that's cheating. That, that's kind of cheating. I though, totally you know? agree. I totally agree. So we decided, since this is our second episode of the Ring-A-Ding-Ding podcast, that we would just start off easy and start off nice and light. So today we are going to look at Robin D'Angelo's work and her newest book called Nice Racism, How Progressive White People Perpetuate Racial Harm by Robin D'Angelo takes the question seriously. Is everything racist? And it's a good question because if you're a white person, this thought or a variation of it has come into your mind at one time or another. I know it has for me totally. Today, Carl and I will talk about how Robin answers that question and how she challenges the notion that many white people, especially white progressives, that all the racists are somewhere else. I think it's important, maybe uh, to just uh, briefly with uh, Robin D'Angelo. I mean, she's a PhD out of Washington. That's where she got her PhD, and uh, her dissertation was in was whiteness in racial dialogue. And she's um, she came really has come become famous for her essay in. Um, is called White Fragility. It was in the uh, a a gosh was was a, a journal of critical pedagogy, and she wrote this essay, and the essay blew up. I mean, it was, was sent around the world actually pretty quickly, and she just got all these offers. So she decided to sort of write a book, and and the book her book was White Fragility, and that kind of you know she's become a household name on you know a um, few times over New York Times bestseller. But this book here is a is a kind of follow up to that book, and she's wrote a few other things as well. Um, you know, she's just a she wrote a you know what's it mean to be white, developing racial literacy, and you know, she, and is everyone really equal? Uh, introduction to key concepts. So she's this is her fourth book actually. So she's not uh, she's no no spring chicken. Um, yeah, she um, is. Um, I think really takes seriously the academic work of whiteness and anti racism from a white person's perspective. And I think there's something that's interesting about Robin, and particularly in this book, because she goes at great lengths to include herself in the work. You know, they say in religious context that if you're preaching or teaching in a, in a ministerial or if you're a rabbi or saying something like the best religious talk you can give is the one you're talking to yourself and other people are listening in. And I think Robin really does a good job here because she is, you know, makes the case that, you know, it's easy to think racism is somewhere else out there. But when we turn that lens inward on ourselves, it can get really, really uncomfortable. And I told Carl, I've been listening to the book. I'm up through chapter five right now, but we really wanted to kind of deal with chapter three and chapter four, that this has probably been one of the most uncomfortable and difficult books for me to which I, listen which to. Which I find, I have to say, I have to cut you out, I, have to, I find that fascinating. I mean, given you're, you're a young guy, relatively, and all the stuff you've read, the movies you've seen, 
you've read things that were probably more disorienting. And, 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 but I wonder, something about this subject matter and where it landed, um, I, I find it interesting. But I just want to say one thing before, before I forget. Uh, Robert D'Angelo, her work is influenced by Derek Bell, you know, uh, Face with the Bottom of the Well, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, um, Bell Hooks, Alice Walker. So she's she recognizes those influences in her, in her work, and she quotes them all the time. So she's um, and she's aware of the 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 centering challenge that she has received, and, and some of the criticism as, as a white person talking about this. You know, um, you know, says a lot of. Uh, white progressives face that cha- Tim Wise faces that challenge all the time. You're a white person. You're talking about anti-racism, but from a white perspective, so black people have said, "Well, you just recentering whiteness." But I think though she gives us some language, and I, I can say as a black person, it has benefited me uh, to sort of to to hear her frames. Uh, s- mostly, I agree with some. Sometimes I don't, but it's refreshing. So, but but she has faced a lot of criticism. And I, and I, I think the, it's, that criticism is linked to what you just said about some of it being disorienting. I think a lot of people have felt that and have really took that on as like, wow, as a rallying cry against her. I think it's important to, to note that. But, but I, I did, and it's why I really respect you because um, I asked <laughs> you reading it. I said, hey, man, don't put it down when it feels a little tight. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you know uh, stay with it. You know, it um, well, uh, it's yeah. tough. And I told any and uh, when Carl and I were talking about it um, beforehand. You know, he's like, why? He said that very thing. Why? Why is it so tough? And I said, because the call in her book is to continually look at oneself. And every time I wanted to gaze my eyes at other people, uh, you know, people who maybe aren't as enlightened on race as I am, and I say enlightened in air quotes. She's like, that's exactly the kind of thinking that helps perpetuate a world built on white supremacy, which is, I've got it all figured out. You over there are the problem. And why I say it's a challenge, not because, you know, I don't mind being wrong. I don't mind being taught something new. I like be deconstructing things. That's, that's, I, same I, here. Yeah, I, same it, here. It, I, you know what, I, I really hold to that maxim, that religious idea that, you know, I am a sinner and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have it right all the time. So as a person of faith, like, it's 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 a very small leap for me to be like, oh, I could be wrong about this. But there's something about this work, and in particular, chapter 3 and chapter 4, which she talks, uh, the chapter 3 title is, There Is No Choir, so in Eddie Gloud Jr. had a podcast, and he was interviewing uh, Robin D'Angelo. Now, Eddie Gloud Jr., he's a Princeton professor. Robin kind of gets into uh, uh, her main thesis in Chapter 4 of Nice Racism. Chapter 4 is, well, like, what is niceness? And so this is um, their discussion on that, and I thought it would be a good jumping-off point for us. So here we go. It starts. It's about, it's about a minute and a half. Yeah. So say a little bit about nice racism what is this and who 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 are these people who are the nice racists that you're talking to well it's Um, me (laughs) um we have to start with the basic foundation of systemic racism so let's just proceed from that premise that that racism occurs in explicit acts but it's actually um, a structure that's infused across society and it is 
the norm. It's not an aberration. It's reproduced 24 7, 365. It's a highly adaptive system. Look where we are with voters' rights. Uh, we thought in 1965 we'd settled that. And we're in a very serious place right now. So, so it adapts to challenges and it keeps on keeping on. Um, and so if it is a system, we are all shaped by it. We are all shaped by it. Mm -hmm. um, and so for, for those of us who are white, we have to change our question from if I've been shaped by this system to how have I been shaped by it? You cannot be exempt from the cultural water that you swim in. And so nice racism is meant to capture uh, the well-intended white progressive, uh, the moderate who uh, is more concerned with a lack of conflict, who's more concerned with comfort and saving face than racial injustice. How'd that land for you, Carl? Well, you know, I think it, um, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I, I like Robin and I like Brother Eddie as well. So, you know, I think she speaks to, she speaks accurately. Um, I just, with one little caveat, I think, um, Systemic, you know, she says you cannot uh, just, just disembark yourself from the waters, cultural waters in which you, you swim and, you know, or, or how your socialization affects you. But white supremacy and systemic racism, you know, obviously it lands with people, uh, with whites, you know, people a certain way. But also it, has a, it affects the worldview and the framing of black people. And I think it, that's something that I guess, you know, that's important to recognize that it's sort of like white supremacy also uh, affects the lens in which I see you and myself. Mm. So, in, so I guess and mm. many times when people look at white supremacy and systemic racism, they think that's an issue for white people to resolve mm. and to kind of, you know, because history tells us Booker T. Washington, for example, you know, his Atlanta Compromise speech in, um, in 1895, you know, he has assumed the mantle of what, I believe, what white supremacy has done against people of color and said, okay, let's be practical. Let's, let's, uh, I want to use some of this to, to, to sort of levy some support among white people. And in, in process, he was just say, basically saying, black people don't try to fight for rights. Just, you know, just play the system because this, this is how game. this works. Yeah. Play the game. And sort of like, so when, when they say, when they say they meaning white people, white people. you yeah. know, you've got to be, be careful and, and don't get them upset. Don't get them afraid. Hear that language? So I think, so Robert, what, what my point is that white supremacy has, a, has an equally damaging effect on black people as well. Because again, the world you see through your lens is the world that's put upon me through in, in my lens as well. So you can't, in other words, this is a symbiotic relationship of, uh, of the And of that's the what, to me, is so powerful about her words right there, and even more so in the book, in Chapter 4, Defining Niceness, is, and, and this is something I've never, when I was talking about earlier, that this is a really difficult read because I, it was forced me to stay on me rather than mm. outside of myself. Mm. That when you view white supremacy and as an adaptive force, as in a force that's always changing, always learning new ways to perpetuate itself, then the whole landscape becomes really unsettled. 
because as a white person, I glob onto the Martin Luther King speech, content of their character rather than color of their skin. Very convenient for me because until probably 10 years ago, I was just a guy. I wasn't a white guy. So one of the things that you become conscious of when you do any kind of race work as a white person, my experience, this is just my experience, is that I actually have a race. I actually have a culture. And this book is forcing one, especially if you're a white person, to say, well, what is a white person and how do they, how do I, been, see, I, I did it just there. I said they. How do, how do I, what are, what are the waters I'm swimming in that I can't even recognize? And it's interesting. I, I don't know. There's something about Robin, and I know she's taking a lot of flack um, in, in many ways. And I know Baldwin has spoken about it. I know King spoke about it. I mean, King, and Letter from a Birmingham Jail, is writing to me the, you know, moderate, you know, oh, let's not rock the boat, you know, kind of person. But there's something about a way that Robin speaks about it that is really, I don't know, it's gripped on my heart. I have not, it's been with me in all sorts of conversations that I've had over the last month because we've been working on this, you know, for a month. Um, I, I do find it interesting um, that this idea of, how can I say this? Uh, and be polite. The, the fact polite. that okay, okay, then I won't. Um, well, you know, the fact that you know, I, I am, I'm racialized. I have a race, but the discovery that you don't. I mean, like I, I, I mean, from your, from your, from your using your, your word. I mean, I'm a white, I'm a white culture white. I just, how can, I find it interesting that um, the the structures that has that has helped one not see that. Yes, I find fascinating because I, I'm thinking it's before. I mean, if I'm it's almost like, well, I'm a black person, but but I'm the only racialized being. Uh, you know, yes. uh, people of color are the only race. And of course, and intellectually, growing up, we know that Jim Jim Crow screams that's not the case. I mean, slavery, you know, the women suffered. That we 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 are aware of others, but this sort of minute kind of this precision of looking at actually whiteness as a race, you know, I know it's a social construct, of course, but it has a, has a, a, a tremendous impact. But even a bit that being aware, I'm I'm up sort of like like well, how can anyone not be aware of that? <laughs> yeah. I say that I say that lovingly, you know what I'm saying? Because it's sort of like no, and, you know, and I'll tell you how I can distinctly remember. I don't know when this was, maybe it was in college or not too soon after college. I remember saying, I don't know when. I just remember the words coming out of my mouth. Well. I don't really have a culture. I, I'm just a white guy. <laughs> and when you, you and Chevy Chase, it, it was you and Chevy Chase, right? Me and Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding, Chevy. No, kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and what's what's interesting to me when I think back on that, I, like I said, I've totally missed the context. I think it was trying, and what I know about myself, I was probably trying to be complimentary of someone else, mm. uh, probably a person of color saying, wow, you have such a rich culture, identity, heritage. I'm just a plain old white guy. I don't have anything. And I'm sure that person of color, whatever, was like, oh, no, you have a culture. <laughs> You're just not ready to, to, to see it or to know it. And 
when you grow up in places where first and foremost racism is strictly expressed in how you mistreat a person of color that is racism right. and if you don't do that if you're you racist, don't right? yeah. then you're not a racist the, the, not only are you not a racist but you're not a participant in racist ideas actions or ideologies well, well, well this idea of recognizing that there is a um, the whiteness is a culture and also that you know not having uh, some of those racial literacy tools tropes that Robin talks about that I think that maybe someone like me would be aware of because I had to. I was, you know, forced to come to grips because for me, growing up, I, I my mother always said, you know, it was it was a precaution. Be be, be careful. You are not like a white person. You got to be better than a white person because you got to be twice. You know that whole thing. And, and yeah. she and I have reconciled that. But but so I was distinctly aware, you know, of of my racial status and distinctly aware of yours as well. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I was aware of, of of white culture because I had to sort of navigate that. I had to sort of know white culture. It's like Fannie Lou Hamer said. She said, you know, she said uh, she said one thing we learned from from y'all that we saw we were staying behind. We watched your moves. Now she was being hyper hyperbolic, mm -hmm. but I had to be a very very aware of white sensibilities as I navigated my own sensibility because it, it affected, it direct, uh, diametrically affected me. Directly, I'm sorry, directly affected me. So anyways, but I, so I guess it's, uh, we, we talk about the idea how one can um, uh, view not having a, um, a per perception of not having a, a, a culture or a, or a race. But, um, but I, I, think, I think one thing is really challenging here is, um, you know, with, when Robin she talks about this niceness and this idea of system is the norm. You know, and I think this idea of what's normative. So for, for example, when you said, I'm just going to ask you, challenge you here, but not challenge you, but ask you a question. When you say, well, you know, because I know what people say, I'm racist, I'm, not, I don't, I'm just a, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm just a, just a white guy, whatever, I'm just a, just, a, just a guy. The idea is what's behind it is I'm normal. Yeah, I am. Right. I am out of. I'm. I'm just a normal kind of, you know, you know, red and blooded American, blah blah blah, and. In that, that seems perfectly normal, perfectly safe, but it says anything that's not that is not normal. And that's the implicit. That's, that's sort of a, uh, that's the, um, so when that kind of, if that's a stance, then it stands to reason while, why this kind of language and literacy would be upsetting. You know, I'm, I know, by the way, just, just for equal size, I know many black people who've, um, I think some for profit, and I think some may, may feel this way, but, you know, for various reasons. But again, white supremacy affects everybody. But who, who, who proclaim, oh, there is no difference. There's, you know, I have, a, I have a dream, content of my character. Shelby Steele, for God's sake, has a whole book about uh, content of your character written in 1989, and which he, he just sort of takes apart this idea of, of liberals and kind of like, and this is a black guy. He's a thinker. His brother, Claude Steele, is a progressive. Really, I bet that's, those are fun Christmases and, and Thanksgivings when they grew up. But, um, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but so I, what I'm saying, this is not regulated to white people. Black people uh, are, you know, are, are affected by this in ways similar, uh, but not directly alike to, to white people as well. Because, again, I've internalized mm -hmm. some of, some of those, those pathologies in my body. I'm mm -hmm. um, using a, a kiss of rims, a rims of Kimsey's, uh, uh, my grandma's hands language there. So, you know, you say, well, you don't have a race. And I'm, so I, what I do historically sometimes has defended you in having a race. Mm. It's like Malcolm said, hey, hey, hey I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sick, Carl. I'm, I'm not feeling well. Oh, we sick, Jason? You know, uh -huh. I mean, so the tendency for me is to sort of align my, why? Is because historically 
that's that's I mean I'm, that's that was the per, per, pervasive language, pervasive attitude is like to align myself with white culture for survival. So therefore, if you say you don't have a culture, then by God, hey boss, you don't you ain't got one. You know mm-hmm. what you need, what you need me to do? You know now I know that sounds I'm being hyperbolic here. Of course I am. I'm, I'm not being you know, but I'm not trying to degrade anything or anybody. But I'm but, just saying. But it's understandable, I think, because in. And this is where we go back to what Robin was saying in her discussion with Rob uh, with Eddie Cloud, which is the the adaptive nature of white supremacy, in which, you know, I grew up in a predominantly like white neighborhood, a white church, ran in predominantly white circles, and I wasn't mean to people of color. Mm-hmm. I had friends and teammates and teachers who people are of color. And, but the predominance of my space were white spaces. And then all the media I saw were predominantly white spaces with sprinkled in flavor, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and, okay, so, and so what happens is that normal becomes defined by what we see and what we experience what we listen to, like all of those things. And again, getting back to this definition of racism, what not definition of racism, but what Robin is pushing on is she's forcing me as a white person to say, well, maybe you don't even have to do or say or even think anything to be perpetrating and and taking advantage of or continuing racist society and culture. This and is she, why Jason people had people have really pushed back on her because they're like they're saying how dare she say she doesn't even know me she's being general yeah. how dare she and, and so people have really responded with 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 ferocity about how you know the how could she insinuate that and of course now, and this default and this and the irony is that's true of any system you cannot mm. perpetuate it that doesn't and and, and, and still be. Um, you know, like the kid said, if you're not something, if you're not anti something, then you, you're kind of perpetuating the, the norm. And that system of white supremacy and systemic and ju- and oppression and systemic racism, it doesn't require meanness. It doesn't require the Klan. It doesn't require doesn't require a, the Klan. Wow, it, 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 it what a great yeah. a, a burning a burning cross. It doesn't require yeah. the, the N word on my on my on my locker. You know, whatever. It you know, and it all it does is, is if one is. If if the norm is assumed, perpetuate the norm, you know, mm-hmm. and so the norm has to be defined, of course. But um, but I think and and this is and this, hey, by the way, I just I want to be anyway. This is because this is for for, for, my, for my my uh, my my black brothers and sisters, and I know and this it's, it's particularly true in, in communities of faith sometimes when there's a closeness. I'm probably in any situation because any situation I'm in a mixed gathering. Some sometimes I won't say all. Sometimes sometimes the, the tendency for black people to hear this discussion is to sometimes tune out, like oh, it's 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 exhausting. Forget it, you know. No one, gonna, yeah. or to defend you, you know, mm. because you know, you know, and and, and I, I've I've seen it in in this where I'm raised in, in the church office and in the schools and whatever. It's like Carl, what are you doing? Why are you you know? I said this, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I mean, I've been to a few uh, diversity chairs and some other things, and said, like, Carl, what what are you what are you doing? 
we have to sort of, you know, get along, and this is be hard on my my kids and my when you you're making us blah blah blah. So, so and so then when you get in, into your presence, I'm just talking metaphorically, of course, and uh, and uh, they say, hey, you know, it's Jason. It, oh yeah, Carl's just kind of doing doing his thing. Don't don't pay him no mind, you know, whatever. So so our tendency sometimes is to sort of is to sort of defend this idea. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We're good. Why do you think there's so much problem? concern? About white people feeling guilty. Uh, we, we. Well, you know, I, I've got my my street answer. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being very general here. I got to stop this, man. Because I, I'm a, no, no. <laughs> this I, is. What, what, but, but I think I think there's a tendency. This is historical. Pathologies are passed down historically, and we, we don't you know you don't know them. Uh, they're 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 mostly passed down through family structures. I perceive that somehow, some way. If you don't sort of coddle uh, the whiteness of those around you, it will dem- it would it would it would cause your family harm. Yeah, because you know so, I could always step out of it. Because yeah, you, if you, the you, predominant, you, you know. I mean, like let's think about this, right? If the predominant definition of racism are acts, overt acts done towards a person of color, then as long as I'm a nice guy and not a jerk. Yeah, I can step out it. of that yeah, and be yeah, like, ah, this yeah. is too hard. I got other stuff to do. Yeah, I, you know, call me on Tuesday. We'll talk about it on Tuesday. We'll talk about Yeah. When George Floyd got killed, well, let, 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 I tell you, I'm going to go to the show. We'll, we'll march again next Wednesday. Yeah. But, but, um, yeah. but I, I, I do think, I, for me, like, you know, I'm afraid that sometimes historically this, this sort of calling of, 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 the, of the, the, the white emotion, if you can, for lack of a better word, there's still feeling, even though it's it's not logical. But I think, hey, it could affect me, it could affect my kids. So mm-hmm. I'm aware of the harm that could happen, or just even sort of passive aggressively. You know, I have to sort of manage white expectations sometimes in, in in the darkness of places. I have to do it here at church. You know, I gotta, you know, I have to make make sure, you know, that I just I'm not perceived as. And there's a whole, you know, I walk into a space, I politicize it. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to say if that. I you know, walk into a space, I politicize it. Wow. So, I, but, 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 but and, I, and that, that has nothing to do, and we got let, let's unpack that just a little yeah. bit because that has nothing to do with Democrat or Republican. It just has no, to no, do with no. with how are how am I now going to alter my behavior now that Carl is in this space? Yeah, you know, because Carl's here, I've got to manage what I say. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, I could he could be accused. I could be accused of being racist. So therefore, oh man, I got to I got to deal with this whole thing because he's here. I've got to mm-hmm. sort of do. But the irony is, uh, sort of a, to me, the sort of a, you know, you a white person also politicizes my place by showing up as well. So that's, that's the, right. That's what, well, that that's the, 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 <laughs> well, and that's what Robin is saying. Yeah. In chapter three, she talks about there is no choir. And is basically she she relates a story in which she's going to uh, to to talk to, you know, like minded progressive people who feel like they've got this all figured out and like how are we going to deal with those racists over yeah. there and give me the heart of Robin. Give, what's the good stuff? Yeah, none yeah, of this basic stuff. You know, yeah, none of the basic stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's get, give me the hard stuff that other people need to do. Yeah, and and. She just had this realization or this refrain because the woman who was organizing it said, you know, well, you know, you're preaching to the choir. And it just set a light bulb up off in Robin's mind of, wait a minute, there is no choir here. And 
It's such a powerful metaphor, and she has a re- really recommend anyone who's listening to this to to get the book, and particularly chapter three and chapter four. It it will stay with you. I've listened to it twice. I haven't gone on to five, but I've gone back through and listened to it. And every time I want to be like, oh, come on, that's not really, f- oh, okay, well, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I do. I, I, whoops. Yeah. Um, it, it, and, I, you know, she has very practical ways of kind of making her point, you know, um, and, and it's interesting because after listening to it two times, I am left with this idea of that it's pointless to feel guilty because feeling guilty in polite company, no one wants people to feel guilty or shame. So we just either stop talking about it yeah. or my good friend Carl will pat me on the back and say, you're one of the good ones. And then I've had my permission to not self-examine anymore. So guilt is not right. However, almost like in the matrix, clear eyed awareness of the world that is shaped and made around us that I contribute to explicitly and implicitly that Carl experiences both the explicit racism, the racism that the easily defined, and the implicit one, the microaggressions, like all of those things. And there's this scale that has to fall from our eyes as a white person. And to just Im- just to embrace the imperfection of it, that without succumbing to guilt, without succumbing to, woe is me, oh, I can't believe this happened. But to stand, I don't know, like a grown-up and, I don't know, I don't know if it's accept, but deal with the reality at hand, like a mature, grown person. I don't know. We we deal with those things. We deal with reality all the time. We have kids. I mean, there's reality. We married. That smacks us in the face every single day, the reality. But 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 I I think it's interesting with this idea, you know. I guess some some of the pushback and I and I can maybe some of the disorienting is, is assumption that you know you know uh, whiteness on my um, white supremacy that the black space is scot free, right? Mm-hmm. What about the black? You know what what, what, what you know, so, mm-hmm. oh oh my god. So what about and sometimes it's like well you know what about them? You know like, well, she mentions a story about she was talking about. Uh, you know, done her little lecture, and and someone said, "But what if blacks are racist as well? You know, are, are, what if they're just wrong? You know, and <laughs> and, it, and I think this this notion of like, you know, get it, letting someone off, Scott. You know, whatever. But, but you know, you're getting on me. But what about them? That that, that you've actually mythologized. Mm. You've turned black people, all black people, into superheroes because you know because because they you know yeah. and, and, and and I think and I and if one hears that in her in her work. They're missing the point of that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's you know, right. I mean, because I think it's sort of like, cause, you know, I don't have all the answers about about race, even if I'm racialized. And I think there's an assumption that if you're feeling this way as, as a white person, then therefore I'm, you know, I because I live this situation sometimes, I most of it, all the time, then therefore I am smarter than you. I have more insight than you. So listen to me, the black yes. person, you know. Yeah. And, and I think white people resent that. They resent Oof. that. Yeah, they really let's, do. Let's be honest. It's like, they're like, screw you. you know, and, and I think there's a way to navigate this. This is what we're, like right now, what we're engaged in right now is, I'll be honest, is the kind of cross-talk, um, cross-cultural, even though we probably, we, we work together. We, we live in the you know, same city and we, your, your office is behind me, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but this doesn't happen. You know why? Know. 
because people get peed off or something and they, and they opt out. I wish this would could occur more often, uh, where we just sort of just just talk and sort of like and understand role perception and then navigate that space because in that space there is a meta narrative that, that, that emerges mm. that's that's the beauty there's a meta narrative that emer- and we actually want to do good by by people and but but if it stays it's kind of like what, what about you what about me and mm-hmm. so therefore if, if i'm you're guilty but i'm the expert so listen you know and she always says well listen to the black the bi- people the bi- people around you people hear that and say okay well you know i mean i, I can't do no i can't do no right and 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 i know i know i can name you Ten of, of my dear, dear, dear white progressive friends who, like, said, who are f- furious at the idea of that concept. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like I work, I work, work hard. You don't understand my, you know, I work, but, but you know, all this, all the, she calls the credentials, all this stuff, and like, people, you know, yeah. and I, and I just, and I think there's a way, there's a, a, a way to navigate that where, you know, we can find language that kind of puts us both at the precipice of white supremacy and say, hey, we, we, we got to disrupt this, you know, as a unit, because I, I, you know, I love a, that word. I love that ru- word disrupt. It's not fix. It's not crush. It's not kill. It's not like it's disrupt. And not cure. Yeah. <laughs> not cure. Because see, I think that that's I think that's really boy, you know, it is particularly if you're OK, so I'm a cisgendered, you know, white progressive male. I'm used to things going my way. Okay. 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 <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. So That's I'm like, talk. surely, That's real. That's real. surely we can get together. I can meet, have some, get some really smart people of color around and we could read some books and have a discussion. We can figure this out. We can figure we'll this figure stuff out. It. And we'll be done. <laughs> it might take a year, yeah. maybe a year and a half, but I will have a completely deracialized environment that myself and my kids and my school and my church will live in that that is such that alone is a white supremacist idea because that you are the one who can fix it when all we're talking about here is how can i disrupt i I gotta tell you this this tweet i saw which is a little bit tangential but it's by a guy named brian mall um he uh is a pastor he does a lot of work with um uh, with at-risk communities, a lot of things, um, and he wrote this, which I thought is, gets to me uh, to the the point point of having a mind or an orientation in, in the direction that we're talking about. He tweeted this: "The next time you see someone on the street in need of help, instead of judging, blaming, feeling sorry for them, or trying to figure out if or how to help, ask yourself." Quote, what have I done directly or indirectly to help create this problem? Hmm. And I thought that was so powerful because that thought right there, what have I done directly or indirectly to help create this problem? Is disruption. It's disruption. I relate, and and I think when it comes to this idea of disrupting the racial narratives that we are perpetuating, that we're swimming in, just not moving away from fixing, but into disruption, I think is just a profound step for white people to make. 
And but it's, it, it is challenging, Jason, and when you say that, that quote, you know, I would assume that some reaction would be, oh, you've assumed the negative. You assume that I have something to do with this. So that's, and there's some, yes. uh, sometimes people, they just can't comprehend a world in which, that, which you've done nothing to, like, kill anybody or shoot anybody or whatever or call the N-word, but somehow you direct, you, you, your actions have been directly responsible. So some, people just can't buy that. So, so some people would look at that quote and say, nothing. I haven't done nothing to that. I have done nothing mm -hmm. to, 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 you know, and, and, and say, well, what's your point? Next, you know, I, I got to go to Whole Foods, you know, whatever. So sort of, um, you know, so you, I mean, there lies the challenge, I mm -hmm. guess. But see, I guess here, there is, I don't have to say, this sounds horrible, but I guess sometimes there's a, and I guess there's the levels of, of being able to sort of hear and, 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 and to disruption. But, you know, sometimes people are not prepared to disrupt, you know, and, it, um, you know, I, I, I totally understand disruption. Let's, let's be honest. There is a cost to this. I mean, and I guess this is this is the, this is the side that I get. Robin probably doesn't talk about enough. Is people who are who have uh, come into some racial awareness who has some. You won't find that solidarity like you did before with people who you love. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I mean, there will be yeah. probably some some disorienting, some disruption. I know for me as a black person, I've got dear black friends who will tell me to shut the hell up all the time. Mm -hmm. Just why do you got always, you know, love, dear loved ones saying, hey, you're going to make it hard on my kids in school by, by blah, 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 you know, sort of. Um, well, know, Robin I, speaks I, about that with Eddie in that, in that podcast. Yeah, she says, you know, I, I expected the criticism to come from the various places that we come from, but the way that it's been, my work has been criticized, has been, it's been, it's been tough, particularly around people who uh, we would say we are co-workers in the work. And again, you know, anybody who writes, you know, anything on these topics, like, I think it's best to enter into any kind of book that challenges or brings up ideas that you hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about, is, is to realize is that, that they're also human beings, and they're mm -hmm. trying to do the imperfect, which is to take ideas and put them down as words on a piece of paper, must be grueling. Because like yeah. you and I can talk and we're, I mean, we talk all the time, so we're just kind of shooting the breeze right now. But to put it down on a piece of paper in, in a book, it, yeah. it, oh my goodness. That, call, that causes precision. You've got to be precise with that. That with causes language. precision. Exactly mm -hmm. right. So it's, it's really hard. But, you know, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, there's this connection between like racism in the United States and climate change. There is not a quick fix. Mm. It's a daily thing you have to do. You know, recycling your can every day, even though it feels like it doesn't matter in the big long run, it's the one thing you can do to disrupt just throwing everything away. You know, yeah. instead of throwing away your clothes, you know, or, or taking them to donate them, you find a place that recycles them, or, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is on my mind because I just cleaned out our garage. And it's, <laughs> a, it's the same with racism. It's like, I'm not going to go fix a state down in the South, right. which it's easy for me as a progressive, with the most racially segregated school system in the entire United States is in New York City. New York City, yeah. Instead of a, you know, and like one thing Robin says, she says like, you know, people can grow up not having people of color in their lives so, and, 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 feel, and, and feel as though they've lost nothing from that, you know. Mm. But, but, but I will say this idea of in, internalization I think is important. I think sometimes people internalize superiority, internalize inferiority. 
and I, I just and I, I, I'm being redundant when I say this, but I think like Kendi says, uh, Abram X. Kendi says, internalized pathologies about race for people of color is the real black on black crime, you know, mm. and, and and I and I think part of this sometimes a, a person who may internalize superiority coupled with my own feelings of in, internalized inferiority is a toxic mix because the thinking is what can I do I feel this way and, and I and I tell you how it plays out just 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 pra- pragmatically I mean I you know and I maybe I just it's me but maybe I, my kids will have a different generation but I feel I feel the weight the pressure of navigating all my spaces particularly my interracial spaces because mm-hmm. I just I I'm I, I, I I'll stress something that I don't stress often but I am afraid sometimes of of, of of people, sometimes white people closing ranks, you know, yeah. and, uh, and and so so like and say, hey, I can I can be down with this, McCall, or I can solidify with what I think is familiar, think it's normal, and I think he's he's gonna he's a little bit too uh, panicky anyway, and so for me, like I mean, like we, I just I'll do some end talking here. You and I are involved in something on and, and on a different level somewhere else, and whatever I say, someone will say, well, Jason, what do you feel about this? Yeah. Right. And so, and but, and not not that when you say that, when someone when that happens, what that does to my psyche, and my and my kind of it just says okay. So that that says this is how I got to do it. I got to sort of navigate. And, and also the too, you know, even if that's a big code. I'm I'm coding here, so no one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> well, no, I mean, well, I think when you when 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 people of when a mixed race team gets together to do something. Okay. And you you're swimming in this world steeped in, in white supremacy. When you're looking for as a team to like confirm like when you're throwing out ideas and you're confirming with someone else, being aware of how that could come off. Like that man, we have this person of color. Let's not let's just let's make doubly sure that what I'm asking for is another person's opinion not just because of their of their race and maybe if it is if it does come across that way i'm so to be you have to like well of course it comes across that way because we live in a racialized society yeah i can't feel guilty about that yeah. uh, but i have to be aware of it and i need to disrupt how could i disrupt that interaction well the question what was challenging is like when people say well it's either your disruption or my disruption, your pain or my pain. So people yeah. choose themselves. So they say, "Well, I rather right. have, I rather you have you deal with your your internalized thing and your problems than for me to kind of because I can't walk up." You know, people also. Just, I think one thing is clear. I mean, I'm um, I'm rambling here, but I think it's important. There's notions of statehood. I mean, there is an Americana kind of a, uh, this, um, uh, the the myth of meritocracy, in my opinion, that's that's overwrought, and that lends itself to this to this systemic. Um, language that we speak of. So, for example, if some people say America, you work hard. You, you know, if you just do the right thing, you work hard. It's fine. So, what's the problem? We can fix this. When in reality, I know people who worked hard for fifty years and hadn't haven't moved an inch. I know people who are homeless who work hard, getting cans, getting going on the spots, and and they haven't and they and who are not you know uh, uh, substance abuse users, substance abuse abusers, and it's you know so this idea if you believe that. 
meritocracy kind of language, then naturally you could feel you can fix this. So naturally right. there's a there is a centered norm. So all we had to do is make sure that those people understand that this we can do it together. We can work hard. We can you can do it. You don't work hard enough. You know. I, so so some people feel as though this discussion is actually enabling enabling people to sort of perpetuate their racial language and, the, and, and their own pathologies. I, I, and, that, and that's the irony of this discussion. People, the very thought of it, ha, having it, having it all, it could be perceived by some, well, I know it is perceived by some, it's, it's to be kind of part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You brought in race here. We were fine until you brought this racial stuff up. We were, we were, we were, we were, we were, we were going well, we, everything was going great, and now you brought in race and race, white supremacy. Oh, so golly, you know. And, I, and, and I, I've seen people of color mourn that as well mm. you know because because people of color have internalized things and sort of like and just don't say it don't mention it just move on when someone brings it up now they feel now now it's out in the open now something that you people know, they, know I would imagine they feel not only just out in the open but be hyper articulate and hyper and, and help you know <laughs> bring me a truth but don't make me feel bad at the same time you know, don't be emotional about it, but just oh, tell me. But then let me gawk at your hard life. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, like, tell me, can you tell me, tell me about the time that you were treated like a black person? <laughs> yeah. So now, did you really, really? Well, what, you know, I, I, in college, I had a. Um, you know, I was pretty outspoken in college with the Murray State, and, it, uh, and uh, you know, we were, you know. Pretty I spoke, and I just done stand up comedy. I would do a lot of racial jokes and whatever, you know. And, and somebody put a, and I lived in a, in a Hart Hall, and in, in Hart Hall, we had a lot of AGRs. They're the agricultural majors, agricultural majors. And they were, you know, you know we you know, party together, good. But someone put a card under my door that says, The eyes of the clan are on you, boy. And I got a few of those. And I'm like, Oh, and, and I was like, Who put the card? I was there. Who, I, who did this? And so I would tell that story, and people were like, Was this in the South? So, so tell yeah, me, yeah, no, just, and that was like, do, do, do you have a tail? Did you, how'd you, you know, whatever. Oh was, 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 was a, no, but, but the idea of exotic, you know, and the idea is sometimes exoticizing those things and kind of like there's a, fetish, a racial fetish. It seems like racial equity. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious about y'all. This is, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm not prejudiced. I love y'all. This is great. Come on, tell me some more. You know, but it's a child. But I will say this, but this idea about the niceness, you know, we do feel that, and I, you know, I've said it before. I've defended people who are white who said some things because they're nice. I have. Mm-hmm. So I know what people have. I say, oh, he's not racist. What, what, Carl, what? Well, because we're cool. You know, he's nice. You know, I've, I've said that very thing that Robin DeAngelo said that white people do. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that's, it's a, because I, I, A, yeah, they said the N-word. You know, they said something, but I, I, I didn't want it to disrupt the whole fabric of, the, of, of space and time by, by holding hey, Robin, them accountable. Robin makes a really important, <laughs> Robin makes a really important distinction between being nice and being kind. Yeah. Being nice and being kind. <laughs> Kindness is actions. Niceness is a politeness, like not rock the boat, not, yeah. you know, so it's really good. I, I, I want to maybe bring this conversation a little bit to a close from middle, the, the Middle Church, uh, which is a church here in the city, that tweeted this uh, on September 8th, I just after our last podcast, so it's been over a month, but it says, true freedom is joyous interdependence. And that jumps back mm. to me, to Brian Mull's tweet of, what have I done to contribute directly or indirectly to this? That there is this interdependence. The, the good in, that we have in the world, the way that it can be shared 
can bring about so much life. But the harm is this, the harm and the pain and the systems that break down people, it's, it's a system <laughs> that is interdependent on everyone playing their roles. And we have to disrupt that. Well, I, I, I concur. And I think, I, would, I think this idea of just viewing racial relationships symbiotically and I think sometimes and this is why I mean I actually like I'm, I'm an affinity I like affinity groups white affinity groups black affinity groups I think it's important to do some group work but it, there has to be some cross cross connection as well because the symbiotic piece of this whole thing has to be sort of on display and if it's not on display then you become a, a silo you become sort of a you know um, you're strengthening strengthening yourself to sort of fight the, the other but I, I do feel as though when, you, when one says this interconnected piece, the challenge is and the disruption is, you know, we've, we have no cultural, no historical model for that. So in many, in many respects, we're actually creating a new, like, like this was, a, there's no good old days in America. When was the good old days? No, we look back in my lifetime, you know, in the 60s, I mean, you know, that's, you know, racial turmoil. People, were, uh, people of color get to vote in the 60s in my lifetime. So, so we're actually creating this language and living this language anew uh, you know, for the first time, so it'll be challenging. But I think it can be done. I think people are people are we are human beings are very resilient, and and when when we want to accomplish something, we can accomplish. Uh, thank God, wonders when we're focused. I think sometimes it's it's um, disconnecting, uh, disrupting the idea of success with just symbiotic relational kind of capacities that that are fluid. I like the term fluid. Because I think sometimes you know when you look at success, but the, and, and and solutions, but when things are fluid, they they flow on. And racially, I think the idea of solving something, like when I even I don't like the terms of, of solving white supremacy in my lifetime. I say, oh, we want we want to solve it because then even that's problematic as well because that's it's right. sort of because um, what if it, it goes a, a second over your time clock, then you you peed off. You know, then, then you're probably a bigger racial uh, sore than before. You know, yeah. but I think there is some power in this. There is a meta narrative of humanity that I think we must that we must, for our survival, scribe to. You know, if if not, we we've already seen our demise, and it's not good. All right, so let's ring the bell. What have you read or listened to or seen this week that uh, has been of interest or has kind of got you going? I, I saw a movie with uh, uh, Tim Blake, uh, who I really like, his character actor called um, Old Henry, and he reimagines the Billy Kid story. Billy the Kid uh, had lived. There's some some, some mythology that Billy Kid uh, Billy the Kid survived the massacre, and he lived like like 30, 40 years. So this film presupposes that he's now a farmer in Idaho. No one knows who he really is. And I, and I actually met him at the at the screening. He's a real nice guy. He's a character. He's a guy who's in a, a Brother Thou Art, and he I remember that the, the shorter brother. Uh, he's just a great actor, nice guy, very just a progressive kind of nice guy. But I love this idea of mythology. Is this idea of like if he had lived and he became this nice guy who had to resort to his Billy the Kid to, to sort of fight the bad guys. And I found it was a different kind of superhero film. And I, I love it. it was an old western. It was like he was like. You know, people say, people say, you don't know who he is. And his son didn't know who he was. He's like, Dad, what are you doing? Son, what you're going to see right now, you're going to see some horrible... Th-. And so Billy Kid, you know, these, these ten ranchers come to, come to kill him. And he's like, he single-handedly with a, with a gun 
takes out all of them spectacularly. <laughs> but it, and I, and like, it is sort of like, I just, you know, I mean, it, it was violent, but it, it was kind of funny. It was like, it was like, wow, is that, no, is that damn good of a shot? You know, sort of like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. pew, pow, pow, pew, pow. And he's like, and he was, and, and I and, and I, I'm thinking, I don't recall the mythology of Billy the Kid being a dead on shot. I don't just him being a jerk. But anyway, but, anyway, but I that thought that was funny. Hilarious. But, that but is... I'm also I, I'm also reading. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on. But I'm reading. Um, I love jazz. I'm reading some um, um, a, a book. Well, I'm sorry, another book about superheroes called Gods Among Us. It's about the, the the mythology of superheroes and how they you know how what they serve our culture, and um, and I, but I'm trying to listen to new music. It's hard, man. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I'm tr- I was like, you know, my son River is a really big hip-hop fan. He said, Dad, listen to this. And I'm like, you know, I, I, ain't, got no, I ain't got nothing for you, man. I, and, 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 but actually, I'm trying. He's like, God, this is, this is, he said, this is good hip-hop. I'm like, that's an oxymoron, good hip-hop? And I, and I just, I, I can't <laughs> that's hear it. We have to do, yeah. But I, but I, but I try, but I, I actually try to listen to him. But my son Joshua, is, he's, in, he's like me, he's an eclectic, he loves rock and roll, like, you know, the romantics, and then he gets some grunge, and, but River and my wife, they're actually, they like, they like contemporary hip-hop and kind of house them, like, what, what, who are you people, you know? Yeah. So the, I, that's actually, I'm just, I, I we actually, should, we have to do a that's music tr- That's more, that's more difficult than race to me. Yeah, we have to do a music we have to do a music episode where our kids recommend music for us to listen to Ooh. and we break it down. That would be oh my fantastic. God. Uh, the oh. things with me this week, as probably with everybody, it's no, uh, this is, I've been glued to the uh, whole Facebook drama and things like that. And of course, oh, I've wow. gotten on my high horse, which we could talk about this, about Ooh. deleting Facebook and deleting Instagram. And it, so I did. I deleted Instagram, Facebook, and then I was cleaning out my garage and I was like, oh man, I need to put this on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, wait. I got off Facebook. <laughs> so, whoops. whoops. <laughs> so, um, so that it's going to be a really, it's a whole nother, you know, topic or discussion, but, uh, that's been something I've been really reflecting on and thinking about, uh, this week a lot, just for myself personally. So I don't know. Wait, wait, no, but if I will never delete uh, Facebook or Instagram. Just personally, I, I'm too narcissistic, and, and I am. Uh, but I, I do feel though there is a there is a, some issues of class and race with that discussion as well. Okay, I mean, they, they, they really and truly. I mean, it's sort of like you said, oh, delete it. So you look at. I mean, I mean at. Um, Ooh, I want to hear that. I, I want to get but, into that. That's good. Yeah, you, 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 just, you can dive into some and, and sort of looking at where the, where the issues are coming from and how they're presenting themselves and who's it affecting. According to all the data, you know what I'm saying. Now, okay. again, I understand those things can be can be utilized horribly and, and irresponsibly. But if you are using irresponsibly and, and, and are a jerk about it, that's not my problem, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Hey, I want to post something from my my next movie shoot or a quote from Audrey Lord. You know, I, I can't worry about someone saying, "Hey, there's a conspiracy theory. We're gonna we're gonna over the government right now." Me, me that you know, you know, I can't. What? I mean, the the two are not compatible. What I'm saying, and I, and there's been no room for that. There's been no room for that. Been, it's been it's been one discussion, and I'm like, oh, see, that, that's a whole other discussion. I'll, I'll that say is that. a whole different discussion. We gotta we we gotta get to that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Carl, man, thanks so much. I enjoy talking to you. I always love talking to you, man. It's a gas. All right, thanks everyone for listening. Ring a ding ding.